welcome back to another episode of the Be a Lion podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Brenneman, and this is a space where we integrate our human design, talk about how our experiments are going, as well as mix it with other modalities. Um, I am not a human design purist in the sense of I, I don't think that it shouldn't be mixed with other modalities. I think human design is an incredible map and it shows us, you know, our true self. It shows us perhaps where we're going, but there aren't a lot of tools within that, you know? It's kind of like, here you go, here you go. Here's all this stuff. Now what next? And I've really learned a lot about the deconditioning process over the last couple of years and how I need to support myself as well as the people that are drawn to me and what they kind of expect from our interaction and how I can support them emotionally and psychologically throughout the transitioning process of deconditioning and stepping into your true self. So that's why I thought it was very cool that my client, Karishma, offered to allow me to record our session that we did around motivation, which is a component of rave psychology. It's in the substructure of the chart. So this is going to be a deeper aspect of the chart. If you are still in, you know, your first year or your first few months or even your first couple years, it's really all unique to you and when when the timing is right for you. But if you're early on in the experiment and you still feel like you haven't gotten strategy and authority down or you still struggle with strategy and authority, this might not be anything for you to worry about. Um, so you can still listen for entertainment and for learning purposes, but just so you're aware you don't have to get lost in the sauce when it comes to, oh my gosh, what's my motivation? Oh, am I in transference? Motivation is one of those things where we really, there's no choice with it. It's it's one of those things where awareness is the only thing that helps truly. Um, and we're going to go into transference. We're going to be in our correct motivation. It's kind of a back and forth thing that's going to happen. But we just ideally don't want to be making decisions from our place of transference or thinking that that is us really identifying with that persona. So I thought this was a really cool episode because it highlights, you know, what happens when we go in transference. It highlights this part of our chart that really is kind of a no choice thing, but it also shows us why these parts of us, if we want to think about it through a parts work perspective, why these parts of our consciousness showed up in the first place. And it gives us some understanding and compassion to be able to just feel for ourselves and as well as have strategies and somatic indications. So, you know, sensations in the body, um, ways that we can recognize when we're in transference. This is overall just an incredible exercise in awareness. And that's why I love parts work so much because with parts work, there's no um, definitive outcome that we're expecting. It's just for awareness. It's to get to know different aspects of your consciousness. It's to, to develop somatic intelligence as to what your body is trying to communicate you when you're in certain aspects of your consciousness. And I find it invaluable, to be honest. It's it's one of the tools that I, I don't think I'll ever get bored with. Um, I have a lot of tools in my toolbox when it comes to healing and becoming self-aware and awakening to ourselves. 
but this is by far my favorite and there's just so many possibilities with it. It really allows you to use your imagination to um, allow your subconscious mind to offer up anything to you that you're curious about, um, to feel into almost different dimensions of yourself. And I think that's just really cool. So I'm so grateful that Karishma let me record this. I thought this was such a cool session. I've never done this before where we use the person's motivation and their transference as two different aspects of self. And it worked out really well. So if you're not familiar with motivation, really what you need to know for this episode is that your motivation is really an ideal way for you to be viewing your, the world. Um, it's on the personality side of the chart, so it doesn't have anything to do with your body necessarily, um, if we're going to get specific, even though I think it's all intertwined. But when you are in your correct motivation, you are giving good advice to other people. You aren't seeing the world through a distorted lens. Um, it's really when your mind is operating at its best. And so this is why it's something that comes later on. And it's kind of the last thing to really click into place when it comes to your deconditioning process. Uh, That being said, you don't need to throw this into your awareness for yourself quite yet if if you don't feel like it is time, if if your authority is not alerting to you that this is important right this second because it can be really confusing if you're not ready for it and you're trying to implement these things and again it's one of those things where we don't really have a whole lot of control over it but if you follow your strategy and authority then you'll just naturally find yourself in your correct motivation or wanting to be in your correct motivation and that's kind of what you'll hear throughout this session. Motivation is also known as color so maybe you've seen or heard that somewhere you know first color second color third color and it's just like anything else in the chart um, where everything is based off of the profile lines so the same lines of you know the investigator the hermit the martyr all of those lines are scattered throughout the chart in different ways and the substructure is no different so in this episode what you're going to hear is a transference of desire which is a third line color and her true motivation as innocence which is a sixth line color so similar themes apply um for the third line desire color it's you know kind of getting your hands dirty tinkering getting out there into the world having goals wanting achievements um trial and error you know, feeling like a martyr, wanting to martyr yourself, wanting to be a leader. It's a very active motivation. And if you are desire motivation, well, I'm actually desire motivation. That is correct for me to view the world in terms of I have goals that I want to achieve. I desire to reach new levels with things. I desire to be a leader. I desire to always be working towards something. And it very much has to do with the material plane and just being involved in the material realm. Now, innocence, on the other hand, is very different. It's a six-line theme. So everything that you know about six lines applies to this. Um, The role model, kind of aloofness, um, this feeling of being kind of removed from things. And 
innocence motivation is really here to be a reprieve from the nitty gritty that exists on earth, you know? It's here to be a reprieve from going after your goals all the time and achieving or fixing everything as somebody with guilt motivation or, you know, getting to the bottom of things and digging as a first color motivation of fear. So it really is, it's an incredible gift if you are innocence motivation to be able to be kind of removed from things and not wanting to get involved and just focusing on being and being playful and enjoying life and having a cognitive gift for observing, being objective and not not feeling like you need to get involved with everything and take a stance. Um, innocence feels very playful to me. It feels kind of like childlike and I have a lot of people in my life that are innocence motivation, my husband, um, a few of my good friends, and I find myself going to them when I need an objective opinion, when I need someone who's kind of removed from things, um, or when I just need a reprieve from my desire, from my, you know, being in my achievements. (laughs) So, you know, motivation is definitely still something I'm learning about. I'm not an expert at it, but I do have a good grasp on the foundations of it. And it's it's a really cool thing to explore when you're ready for it. It's especially effective for projectors to know about their motivation. Pretty, I would say, more early on than the other types. It'll be more it'll it'll be helpful to you early on and something for you to use as a signpost. Um, whereas for everyone else, it'll be something that's more of an afterthought where you notice it when you're following strategy and authority, or maybe it starts to come up the deeper you get into your experiment and you're just becoming more sensitive to yourself and more aware of yourself. And you can hear that that's what's happening with Karishma in this episode. Um, she's, I think, eight months into her experiment and really aware of how being in desire makes her feel anxious and you know it's this part of her that is this go-getter this achiever this you'll hear her saying you know I want to be the best it's very power view um and she's innocence with personal view which is very much what's what's going on in my world you know not not about I need to be the best I need to be better than everybody else so I look forward to you all listening to this and giving me your feedback. This was a really fun episode to do. And if you are desire or innocence or any other motivation, it might be very enlightening on how you can go about gaining awareness of when you're in transference and what that feels like compared to being in your actual true motivation. So enjoy this coaching episode with Karishma. dive into doing some parts work with the part of you that's innocence motivation and the part of you that's desire. So which part do you feel um, like more connected to in this moment right now? Like which one do you feel like would be easier for you to just shift into? Desire. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, cool. So 
just taking a moment to drop into your body. Maybe closing your eyes if that's helpful. Just connecting to that part of you that is a goal setter, that wants to achieve. That part of you that likes to show people what you can achieve, likes to be a leader, likes to control the outcomes of things. Just noticing the somatic experience that shows up in your body, any sensations that you're feeling, any visions that you might be seeing in your mind's eye. colors, textures, sounds. Just let me know when you feel connected to that part of yourself. So I feel connected to that part, but interestingly, it feels like charged up energy and it also makes me a little bit anxious. Oh, that is interesting. I've never realized, I've never realized that. So, Mm. And so how would you describe that anxiety? It feels like pressure, Um, Mm. like pressure to get things done and pressure for it to turn out a certain way and just pressure to like move in this instant. Ah. It's quite stressful actually. (laughs) Yeah. You feel like my stressfulness, anxiety rising in the moment. Wow. So when you're in this energy, um, Can you tap into maybe the first time that you were aware of this part of you or as this part, the first time that you became aware that you were existing? I feel like I've always felt this whenever, you know, it came to, you know, being at probably something like maybe school, like Mm. with school or like doing interests or activities, I would instantly feel this pressure to like be the best and do the do the thing better than everyone else and sort of move into that energy. And I don't even know where it comes from because it doesn't actually feel like me in many sense. Mm -hmm. So if you speak from this part, what does this part say about the first time that it was aware of itself? So when did you become active in Karishma's life? I think when I started school. Mm. I think I just saw that I needed to like be the best and I saw everyone else. And I also saw that I could be better than everyone else. <laughs> and so it almost felt like a game, like let me be the best and keep being the best. And mm. then throughout the entirety of primary school, which is, the first six years of um, schooling, 
I just was able to be the best and it gave me this sense of like belonging and feeling special because I was always the best. Mm, feeling special, belonging. Those are very specific words. It's a very specific feeling. <laughs> yeah. So what would it mean if you didn't belong or feel special? I would feel left out and like it sounds like a Harry Potter thing, but I would feel like not like the chosen one. Like <laughs> I was just not special enough to stand out. And then what would that mean about Karishma if she's not special enough to stand out? She doesn't really matter. Oh. So how do you feel about Karishma? This desire part? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels like we just need to get things done and we just need to be the best. It's just this incessant need and it's almost disconnected. It's this thing that almost operates on its own. Mm-hmm. So what do you most, what do you desire the most for Karishma other than just getting things done to be, and to be the best? Just to be the best. Like simply, we just want to be the best and we want to beat everyone and we always want to be on top and stand out. Mm. And I think with that, there's a lot of like desire for like accolades and recognition and a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So what are you trying to protect Karishma from? I think falling behind or like not being seen, like kind of a sense of abandonment because if if there if she isn't the best and she isn't the one standing out, she might get left completely on the sidelines. Yeah. Has has that ever happened to her before? Yes. Mm. The do you remember the time that that happened? Well, I think mostly as a child because I had an I have an older sister and she always was the one that naturally stood out. So it felt like if I didn't stand out she would always get all the attention. So there was that part, I think, playing into it as well. And what does that feel like to see somebody else getting all the attention? It doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. It just makes me feel like, what do I need to do in order to stand out and be noticed and seen? And that's why I think this part of me is always wanting to do those things because as long as I keep doing those things it's a way that I know that I have like a guaranteed way of feeling seen or being seen mm -hmm. so what experiences do you think should be avoided or prevented mm, interesting question 
basically any situation where I don't get a chance to prove that I'm the best. Ah. Like if I can't prove that I'm the number one first top person, it just feels like, it just feels like this is a waste of my time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So life is kind of just all about achieving and showing that you're the best for you. Yes. Hmm. That's interesting. So what makes you feel the most unsafe? Situations where there's a lot of uncertainty and I just don't know. I don't know the plan or I don't know the agenda. I don't ah. know how it's going to turn out and it's all completely open. And why does that make you feel unsafe? Because if I don't know how it's going to turn out, how can I be the number one best person in the situation? <laughs> like I can't, I can't create a strategy and a formula and a, you know, a, a way to like negotiate my way to the top. Like if there's uh -huh. no way to be this person or no way to be the best, then how do I, how do I move through that? Like there's just no way. There's no place for me. Yeah, I get that. Is there someone that you take after, like in Karishma's family or like a role model that you've witnessed that you're like, oh, they're the best. I need to be like them. Is there anybody that you've kind of gotten inspired by to be this way? I think my mother has certain aspects where she is like this in her life. But interestingly, naturally, a lot of my friends, especially growing up or especially through high school years maybe, were the people that were the best of the best. So the smartest people in the class, the most musical. Like I had very talented, intelligent friends. And mm -hmm. so because of that, it also felt natural to be someone that like strived for achievement and it almost was like reinforced in a really positive way. Yeah. So it's important for you to associate with people who are the best as well. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. It's <laughs> interesting. So if you were fully in charge of all the decisions in Karishma's life, what would you have her do? Probably a lot more. I feel like right now there's a lot of like coasting going on, but I would probably, you know, set more goals, be a lot more rigorous in terms of making sure we stick to the work that needs to be done. Um, probably would have gone into different careers um, and even down to, you know, the things we do in spare time would probably be a lot more productive and a lot more sort of goal oriented. Mm. Okay. So productivity is important to you. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. even the fact that I said a hundred percent like there's a surety there <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so how do you behave in Karishma's system her internal system when she's not being productive 
I basically tell her that she needs to be productive and if she doesn't do anything with her life, she's just going to be a failure and I think I just try to like pressure her and probably like speak down to her a little bit, not in like the worst way, but come on, in a kind of, come on, you could totally do better and like you're so talented and you're so smart, like stop wasting your life and get things done. Mm, Wow. So how do you think it'd be without you then if you're this part of her that really kind of motivates her? I think there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainty. Like we don't know what will happen. Yeah. And maybe that's scary for her. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. What feelings are you trying to protect her from? I think loneliness Hmm. and getting hurt because it's like if you're not the best, you're just always going to be left to the side and you won't get the things you want and you'll also always be disappointed. So I think it's actually feelings of disappointment. Hmm. What has she done in the past when she feels disappointed? How does she usually deal with that? She doesn't. She just cries and feels like the world hates her. Oh. So then you come in and you're like, the world doesn't hate you. We can achieve. Exactly. We can achieve our way out of these feelings. Like this opportunity didn't work out. But the next one, we will definitely win that opportunity or we'll, we'll, we'll get the thing. And then you won't have to worry about this again. Yeah. achieve your way out of feelings that's a really interesting strategy seems like it's worked for you in the past yeah it really it really does work because there's also that there's that way of if you achieve your way out of feeling it means you don't actually have to feel the sadness and disappointment and then you have something to look forward to And there is so much hope and optimism in the idea that the next opportunity will be the one where everything works out. Oh, the hope. So it seems like you give Karishma a sense of hope. Yeah. Maybe when she's feeling hopelessness. Definitely. Hmm. So what do you think she should kind of deal with first in her life right now? What's the most important thing? I think she needs to sort out, well, there's actually a whole list of things she needs to sort out because obviously there's like things that she always needs to do. Um, (laughs) But I would say she needs to be better with her money she needs to be more consistent with her gym. She needs to, you know, be better with the way that she eats. Um, there's a lot of things that she could do to improve her life. Um, yeah, there's probably a lot of things out there. I don't think there's one thing. Um, okay. The whole list that comes to mind. Okay. 
seems like the main focus for you is just her improving her life. Like all areas of her life. Correct. Like everything needs to be better. Interesting. So are there things that she can safely ignore or is it just, you're saying that she needs to be focusing on everything? Yes. And she can focus on everything. She's one of those people, she actually is talented and smart enough to focus on everything. She just chooses not to. Mm. So what part of her chooses not to? It's a part of her that just wants to relax and have a break from life. It's a part of her that's like, I've worked so hard my entire life and it's never gotten me anywhere. So I would just like to take a break because obviously that way doesn't seem to work. She doesn't think that this is the way forward or that this is the way that it works. So it's Mm. a little bit hard to get her to listen. And what is the risk that Karishma will face if she listens to that part? There's a risk that we won't, one, we will no longer be the best at anything. And that's a worry. And then the second thing is that just nothing will get done. Mm. That's fair. Nothing will get done. (laughs) So if it was up to this part, this other part, that's kind of the opposite of you. You know, what would Karishma be doing? Oh, that opposite part? Mm-hmm. We have no idea. The opposite part just, like, goes with the flow and does whatever <laughs> it feels like and doesn't have a plan and just all of that. Like, there is no plan for that part. It just, uh, yeah, it's very free-flowing and just trust that everything will work out. And it's like, when things good, good things happen, she's like, see, it all works out. She's very, like, airy-fairy that part. and does that stress you out yes it's also a little bit annoying she's got a little like that part of her she's got a little like righteousness because she just thinks she knows better that part (laughs) so you don't you don't like that righteousness nope because if she's righteous then how can I be the most righteous you know like I have to be the best so like she can't be the best at anything because I need to be the best at everything. <laughs> so are there any activities that Karishma does, maybe when she's in that part, that you disapprove of? The main one is probably when she just decides that she's just going to not have a plan all day and just does whatever she feels like even though we have an outstanding list of items that need to be completed. (laughs) Like, maybe I'll get to it, maybe I won't. Let's just see how the day goes. And it's like, girl, you've got all these things that you need to get done. Why don't you do them? And then you can relax. But no, she just decides she wants to just do whatever she feels like. So would your advice in that situation be then to do all of the things on the list and then she can have permission to be in that part and relax. Yes. And how do you try to get Karishma's attention when 
she's in that part and is just going with the flow. Is, is there any signals that you kind of send her within her body or anything that you try to say to her? I just pretty much don't go away and I'll just keep reminding her. I'm like, you've got things to do. You're never going to get anywhere if you keep doing this. You know, all those things that you want in life, it's never going to happen. Like it's just this incessant reminding. And I hope that if I say things enough times, it might finally sink in and she might listen, but that doesn't seem to work. Hmm. (laughs) So it seems like you're kind of using a lot of energy and it doesn't seem to have any, like she's not reciprocating. Not anymore. She used to. She used to be very good at like listening. And it seems like over time she listens less and less and less. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you see why she is doing this? Like, does it make any sense to you why she's starting to want to go with the flow more? Um, I think it's because she just doesn't think that this is effective. And I think she doesn't feel like this is the way forward for her. Okay. Because she's tried this over her whole life and it didn't actually lead to what she wanted. So she's like, I don't want to do this anymore if this isn't the way that it's going to lead to what I want. Mm-hmm. And do you agree with that or no? I can see what she's saying, but I still think that if we keep going and doing it my way, eventually at some point, these things like will fall into place the way that I want it. Yeah. Understandable. Because, you know, maybe she's gotten attention in the past and that attention feels good for you mm-hmm. for being the best. Yeah, I could see why you feel that way. So how is Karishma's life currently better because of your influence? I don't know if it is. Like, not mm-hmm. with the things that I know she wants to do. I don't know if necessarily I'm helping I do also feel like maybe she has a point at some t- at some sort of situations as well. Um, yeah, hmm. it's an interesting one. I don't I don't necessarily know if I make her life better all the time by trying to be the best, and that actually makes me a little bit sad because I want oh. her life to be really good. Yeah. Hmm. And so there's sadness around her not having the life that you think she deserves. Definitely. Like, it makes me, like, actually quite emotional, like, almost to the point of tears, uh, because it just feels like I've tried so hard to, like, make things happen, and it just, like, hasn't worked out the way that I thought it would. Yeah seems like you really care about Karishma and you've put a lot of hard work and energy into doing what you think is best for her. Completely. And I think that's the hardest part is like when you work so hard to try to make something happen and it just doesn't seem to work out. You just keep mm-hmm. trying and trying. And then in some, t- in some ways the disappointment builds up even more 
because at least when when you're younger you think that you know the next opportunity but over time it seems like there's more and more things that we try really really hard for that just like didn't work out mm-hmm. yeah it's a lot of effort mm. well you seem like a really powerful force in her life and are you worried that she's just going to completely let go of you and you won't have a role in her life anymore? Definitely. Well, that's understandable because I feel like nobody just wants to be shoved to the side. You know? Is there a different role that maybe you could take on for Karishma that would be more in alignment with how she's currently feeling? It sounds a bit maybe weird to say it, but that make sure that she's like the best at not being the best in this weird kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) That like, when she wants to relax or when she wants to do something creative, we're like, okay, we're going to go all in into being creative and all into just, you know, having a day and really like embracing that energy. So that Mm -hmm. energy of going all in, because that's what it actually is, a full-on commitment, the full-on commitment to being or to being creative or full-on commitment to, like, exploring and just really, like, allowing that. Yeah. So kind of, like, keeping her in check in a way that feels supportive of her. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that feels really good. It feels like she could need an ally like that in this kind of new chapter of her life where – you know, transitions can kind of be scary and maybe in this new chapter you can be supportive of her. I think so. Hmm. I think it would be really interesting to see how life turned out if we took on that kind of role. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else that you long for Karishma to know? Interestingly, like, I don't think she always realizes it, but she's actually super, super talented and she's Mm -hmm. really smart. And, like, when she doesn't try, she actually is the best at a lot of things. (laughs) As much as we try to make her the best at everything, she's actually pretty much the best at least at a few things or like things that she wants to do she'll naturally come out on top anyway Mm. so maybe we don't need to worry about it nearly as much because she still seems to come out on top without trying in certain areas of her life um Mm. or as much as one could in certain things so yeah Mm. (laughs) awesome well I'm sure she'll be glad to hear that and feel really supported by you. You seem like you're such a cheerleader for her. Yeah, Like you just really believe in her. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting with us. That's all right. <laughs> so if you want to shift, you know, move your energy, do whatever you need to do to come back into the central you, come back into Karishma's energy field. And just notice how there's a shift when you come out of that energy. Notice how your body feels. Kind of paying attention to any emotions that might still be present. How are you feeling? I feel better now. Um, I don't know if it was obvious or if you could necessarily even feel it maybe, but mm -hmm. being in that state, it actually makes me incredibly anxious. Yeah. Like I was just sitting there for the entire time feeling like I don't want to be sitting in this any longer than I have to because yeah. it's uncomfortable and anxious to be that way. And it also makes me realize why a lot of my life I've often felt this underlying anxiety and I think it might come from that part of me. Yeah. I mean, that, that energy is a very powerful force. Like I could, yeah, I could feel it. It felt, you know, it was like this, um, I'm trying to think of the archetype that it reminded me of kind of like this powerful like warrior energy mixed with like the achiever you know it's like it felt very heavy and sharp to me like mm. that is heavy to carry around with you um so sometimes it can be helpful to kind of think about it as like a texture like that like what was the texture of that part of you or what was the color mm. of it or if you would, were to be in, in an env environment with that part of you, what environment would you be in and kind of like paint the picture of who that part really is? Um, it's just kind of an imaginative way to explore it. Mm. But yeah, I feel like that part was – it felt like something that's always like poking you. Like even when you're trying to relax and be with yourself and be in innocence, it's like – poking you still so you're not really ever able to just fully be with yourself exactly. and that's why relaxing doesn't exactly right so even when I yeah I was just going to say um even when I'm trying to relax or even if I like give myself a whole day off where I'm like you can do whatever you want in the back of my head or you know wherever it might be this part is like poking me being like but maybe you should use this day productively, like it still comes up. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, productivity seemed really important to this part. Um, it's interesting how, you know, I know we're focusing on desire, but how I can also feel the not self of the undefined root coming through in that part. Like the, it's, it's like soup of multiple things coming through. Um, yeah. So it just kind of shows us how these different archetypes within us can carry a lot of that not self in one space, you know. But it, it's also interesting to think about how she felt very protective of you. And there was kind of like this mama bear energy there as well of like, yeah. 
I just want her to do well and I just want what's best for her. And this is what I think is best, you know, kind of like how our parental figures do that sometimes where it's coming from a place of love, but they don't realize how painful it is for us. Definitely. Yeah. There's definitely that energy. I can feel it as well. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we can also see how maybe this part, um, it's like you figure such a powerful force like that within you. It doesn't just want to be cast aside. So that's why this transition of being in innocence or, or, you know, making decisions from that place of innocence might be kind of a challenge for you because that energy is almost doing this push pull within you. Cause it doesn't want to seem obsolete. It doesn't want you to forget about it. Yeah. definitely see it and feel it so yeah which makes sense right because how would you feel if you were like protecting someone and basically working for someone their entire life and then all of a sudden they're like i don't need you anymore be gone yeah (laughs) it's it definitely creates resistance i think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's why i think having this um conversation or having this closure with that part of you is important so that you're not just trying to get rid of it when it's like, Hey, I've had a role in your life. I've protected you. Like what the hell? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Is there anything else that's coming up for you right now around this part? The only thing that keeps coming up is I just realize how big this part of me is and how much it probably comes up all the time. Yeah. And it makes sense as to why I find it hard to relax. And I think you're right. Maybe there is, I would say at least in part, the undefined root aspect as well in terms of like the pressure to get things done. Mm -hmm. Um, But this, it has a different, I think you're right, a different like texture and quality. Like, it's, it yeah. comes from a slightly different place um, than just, like, the pressure to get things done because it's also about the pressure to get things done but doing doing it in a way that will make you stand out and be the best. It's not just about getting things done for the sake of it. It's about when yeah. you do these things and the things that are – the pressures that are there, they come up in certain areas of life. So it's not just let's just get everything done for the sake of getting things done. It's like – certain things in certain areas and it's all very sort of highly manipulative and when I say manipulative I just mean like selective in terms of the way in which it's done because the whole that that part of me is like a whole strategy team of its own (laughs) yeah like a strategic team that's going on yeah yeah yeah, I could feel a lot of that. That's kind of where that like sharpness was coming from. Mm. It's almost like this. Sometimes I describe the feeling of um, like leftness as just sharp, like razor focus, razor sharpness. And then rightness feels soft and pillowy and like a cloud. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, you do have those two aspects within you, you know, you have the softness and the pillowiness and then you have that sharpness. So yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah. And I think it's interesting to think about it, even just from the child perspective of like, oh, at a young age, you had a realization at some point that it's good to be the best. You get rewarded for being the best. You get attention. That feels good. You know, it's kind of that same feeling of with, I mean, women, and especially when we like lose weight or when we change our hair or or make up a certain way and everybody's complimenting us that day and we're like, oh my God, I could get addicted to this, you know? And it's kind of a similar feeling of every time you achieve something and people are like, you're so good, you're the best. And you're like, I am the best. And then you get (laughs) addicted to that feeling of the accolades and all of that. Yeah, definitely. It does mention that the fact that you mentioned the weight loss, it does remind me about the time I was in one of those weight loss challenge groups. Um, And I was ahead of everyone in terms of percentage body fat loss by like a mile. And even then I was like, we still need to be better than that. And And I was also reinforced. You're right. In terms of like the compliments and the validation and, it just really, this kind of stuff, it really like sucks you in. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, mm. I also thought it was interesting that she said that, you know, you were always friends with people who were the best too. And that reminds me of something that um, James said to me about power view and how mm. like when you're personal and then you transfer to power view and you're like focused so much on who's the best and who can I surround myself with? That's the best. And he was saying, you know, you probably end up realizing that those people really aren't correct for you and you don't really enjoy being around them a whole lot, but you're around the best, the the best person for this or for that. And so you feel good because that person's the best. And it kind of feels like elevates you a little Mm. bit, like almost like um, a ranking of some sort, like (laughs) that exists. Yeah, or that you'll be the best by association. I think there's yeah. that. I think that's actually what happens. It's like it's it's the fact that I don't necessarily need to be the best, but if I'm with this person because they're the best, by being in their company, I get to just basically take that on. So in some ways, it's like the lazy, easy way of being the best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an innocent way of being the best. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, you know, just by association, just because I'm with the the in crowd, you know. Yeah. Um, wow. Fascinating. You know, and this is all just for awareness. It's, um, I think it's really common that our mind wants to measure all of this and say, well, it's not good to be that part. But when you really see the origin of that part, and you understand it from that space of like, this part actually really loves me. Mm. You know, it helps you have some compassion for yourself and the part. Um, almost seeing that as is a separate person that's in your life, you know, and how would a close friend of yours feel if you were all of a sudden like, I really don't like you, <laughs> you know, and it's valid mm. to feel that way. But at the same time, it's kind of like, that's also a part of you that's um, served a purpose in your life up until this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, how do you feel about getting into the the innocent part of you and channeling that? I'm very excited actually. And while we were doing, (laughs) 
the desire part, I was thinking to myself, I can't wait till we go into the innocence part because this is really, really stressful. <laughs> and it's funny, without having done that kind of exercise or gone through that process in that way, I don't think before today I've actually realized just how much anxiety I get. And not in like a diagnosed clinical anxiety, but just like this general sense of anxiousness that I get when I'm trying to be the best. Like, mm. I don't think it, I don't think it's in this probably as a perfect segue, but I really don't even feel like that's me because it just makes me so anxious. So, yes, mm-hmm. I'm very excited to not go to that part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that feeling that contrast is so important for us because oftentimes it's just kind of running in the background you know it's this like underlying anxiety that's running in the background that we're not aware of so it almost helps to separate it out and see it as this separate energy and then once you kind of learn and this is something I really love about parts work it's almost like acting right where you learn that you can turn these parts on and off consciously And it's really only when it's like unconscious that it's super stressful because we could take some aspects of that part of you and be like, oh, cool, this part is really good at this or really good at that. And maybe in some areas of your life, it works to like go into that energy for a moment, you know, kind of like how we talk about how transference isn't bad. It just gives you perspective. So you can consciously go into transference instead of unconsciously letting it just swoop you you know what I'm saying definitely yeah so it's Mm. kind of good to play with it and just see the possibilities there you know um okay cool well let's go into the innocence so you know moving your body wherever it would want to go being in innocence and just getting into that softness um this part of you that likes to go with the flow this part of you that's kind of childlike and has no agenda, nothing to prove, nothing to plan out, just likes to feel good, can see things from a very objective perspective, likes to observe the people around her and just kind of observe life. He likes to be observed sometimes as you're playing and just doing whatever it is that brings you joy. So what does this energy feel like? What 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 textures are coming up? What feelings? What sensations? This might sound really simple, but I actually think I just breathe more deeply and slower so it's just like I even feel it in my breathing it's like my whole being relaxes and it's like I can relax I can breathe I can be Mm. and it feels really nice yeah so as this innocent part of Karishma when did you first become active in her life never really had a chance to be properly active all the time okay so like there'll be small windows or small moments um 
maybe like when when I've traveled, um, like and travel is probably like the first time that I really felt it like a lot, um, and that was because I was like overseas, um, traveling on my own, not having anyone else there, so I felt like I could really be me, and like have the fullness of me just really be and come out, and with travel it almost gives like a permission slip to just do whatever because there doesn't need to be a plan Mm. yeah so are you the part of Krishma that kind of like encourages her to travel and go adventure and have fun definitely I'm the part Mm. of her that's like wouldn't it be great if just today you just did nothing we go out and just see where the day takes us (laughs) that sounds really fun we're very fun as part of it. <laughs> <laughs> Have there ever been times like in her past that you've been in charge of making her decisions, even for a brief period of time? Not fully in charge, but sometimes she'll let me like have a say. And again, it's actually usually worth traveling. Um, and then sometimes with creative stuff, um, and definitely when it comes to, like, dance and, like, the hula hooping she does now. So with the hula hooping, we just – it's, like, the one area where she just gets to do whatever she wants and we don't, like, step in. Like, no one else is, like, stepping in. It's, like, a purely, like, area of freedom and flow and beauty. Mm. I love that. <sighs> Have you ever had a role model or is there someone that you take after? Not really. I think a lot of my life I've been surrounded by people that are quite structured and rigid and sort of always have a plan in that. And I think there's definitely certain friends or maybe certain family members that have been a little bit more like that, but nothing that felt really consistent with that. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of learned to play this role on your own. Definitely. Huh. That's cool. What do you want most for Karishma? I want her to like really learn to let go and surrender, like properly surrender um, for all the good and bad. And I want her to like, really like embrace creativity and like really go into like creating things that she wants to like write or dance or like anything like that like the creativity stuff I think she's like a little bit scared because it is a very like going with the flow but like that's the stuff where I think there's just like so much there that she can just like blossom and flow and just create and it's going to be like incredible (laughs) That's amazing. I can really feel that when she's being creative. I can really feel your presence. And it seems like that's kind of necessary for things that are creative. Yeah. It's just being able to flow with things and, you know, creative energy is something that just kind of sparks randomly. We don't have control over it. Right. And it seems like you're really this part of Karishma that encourages her to let go of control. 
differently. Hmm. So what would your worst fears be for her? That she never truly goes all in with like creativity and she always just does like a little bit, but not nearly as much as like she could. And like, honestly, that she's just never really going to enjoy life if she just tries to keep always having a plan. Like Mm. all the good stuff that's ever happened to her, like being completely honest, were the times where she like didn't care and she was just doing what she wanted and, you know, not having a plan, not having a strategy and just kind of going with the flow and all the amazing, incredible things and, you know, people in her life have come from that energy, from, Mm. you know. And that's, I think, like really interesting is just how good life actually gets for her when we just go with the flow. Like it feels really counterintuitive. But, Mm -hmm. like, the fact of the matter is if you objectively were to look at, like, all the different experiences, like, all the favorite things or, like, her favorite city to travel to, like, her favorite people, her favorite, like, activities, all of those things, all of those and how they've turned out have been amazing because there was no plan and there was no agenda and there was no strategy and it was just pure flow. And it's hard to think and for the mind to conceive that that would be like where goodness comes from. But from for her, that's actually where all the good stuff happens. When she tries, it doesn't work out. So she just needs to learn mm-hmm. to stop trying. It's interesting. <laughs> so how do you feel about the part of her that tries to push her and force her to try a lot? That part is like a pain in the ass. Like honestly, like just <laughs> take a chill pill, buddy. Like, we can't relax if this part is always popping up and having their two cents. And it's just like, can you like go away or calm down? <laughs> so does that part stress you out? So much. Yeah. It's so stressful. And are there ways that you try to get Karishma's attention when that part is kind of pulling her in the opposite direction? if I try to get her attention um but I would say I almost hope or try for her to like realize like I often try to get her to like reflect and realize that like hey you know when you like didn't do anything look at all the amazing things you still got done that happened in your life like that incredible experience that you're like absolutely loving that wouldn't have happened if you'd had a strict strict list and you've stuck to it you know and so it's a lot about like alerting to her to what has gone on or what is going on Hmm. yeah just kind of alerting her to relax into the surrender a bit Mm. to like review her life and kind of you know notice when things have worked out in her favor and brought satisfaction and when things haven't. So if you were fully in charge of Krishna's decisions and her day-to-day life, what do you think she should do? So I've thought about this a lot before, so I'm very glad that I get my chance to speak. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
where do we begin? Let's get into this. Um, <laughs> well, I think. <laughs> so from my perspective, I think there are different aspects of her life where we need like some order or some sort of like boundaries or containers, like in terms of like, you know, on Sundays we grocery shop. Doesn't need to be more onerous than that. These are the days that we're going to do, you know, certain things. Like we have some like loose boundaries, you know, when it comes to, you know, like certain financial things, we can just set up things in place so that they flow on their own. So we have all that. So we have all these sort of like loose container things. And then outside of that, we just kind of do whatever we want. And like whatever feels right, we'll do that. And whatever doesn't feel good, we won't. And like trusting, I think there just needs to be like a lot of trust that like if you tap into what feels good and what what, what you want to do in the moment, like it's not going to fail you. I think that mm-hmm. she's got like a lot of fears around, you know, if we do this, everything is going to fall apart. But like it's not. I don't know how to say it other than it's not going to fall apart and you just need to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think that she thinks is going to fall apart like her whole life? Okay, it's a really good question because interestingly, I think she thinks that it's going to create such an unraveling that like potentially a lot of like friendships, relationships, maybe like career interests, a lot of things that maybe she's been doing or trying to do might end up kind of falling away or may not be like a future part. Like it could create at least a few major, maybe a few minor shifts. Like I think there's, there's there are things that will get left behind or no longer be a part of life. Like I think mm-hmm. there would definitely be like a shift so do you think she's kind of trying to avoid that mutation that might occur? Definitely. The mutation is scary. And also yeah. I think she senses and knows from like the little times when she's like let go and just gone with the flow, the crazy awesome stuff that happens, she's like really, really scared that like – if you did this all the time and everything, like your life would completely transform. And like, we don't know, nobody knows what that could look like or what that might be like. And Mm -hmm. that is like powerful. And like, just the thought of that can sometimes be a little bit crippling. Yeah. It seems like a lot to take in, like how much that, how much things could change, you know? Are are you comfortable with change? I feel like I've never really had the chance to even discover or realize whether I truly would be comfortable. Like, it's one of those things I feel like it's not really even being explored because we're always trying to kind of keep to, like, a certain path and kind of keep things on track. And so I don't even necessarily know. Yeah. So if Karishma were to make the changes that you feel she should make and that led to 
her whole life transforming. How do you feel about that? I feel good, but I can tell she would be a little bit anxious. Not a little bit anxious. She's very scared of that, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think I'm okay with that because I have the trust. But she's mm-hmm. like, she's freaked out about how good her life could get. Oh. About how good her life could get. And why do you think she's freaked out about that? Because I think she's, why she's never had it that good, but also she's like, if it gets that good, will it like last? Will it stay? Like, mm-hmm. is this for real? Or is this like something where it could like come and then like go away? Right. so do you think she's afraid of that feeling of like the other shoe dropping yeah i feel like that's been a pretty consistent theme in her life like things will get good and then she'll like kind of almost stop it like even though there have been times where we've kind of like completely let go and like you know just gone with the flow like it sort of starts to creep back because she starts to see that life is starting to really like take on a new level and a new sort of pathway mm-hmm. yeah it seems like maybe karishma is kind of designed to embrace change and to allow things to shift when they need to mm. but maybe she's resisting that a little bit is that what you're picking up on 100 that girl is a resistor <laughs> like I think sometimes think it takes it takes like something big or like a lot of repeated like experiences for her to be like oh and for like the proverbial penny to drop yeah yeah so it seems like you have some rules for how she should live um Are there things that she should and shouldn't do? Like, do you kind of have a list in your mind about, like, yes to this, no to this? Off the top of my head, no. Like, I can't go through everything that would be like, yes, you should do this, no, you shouldn't. But I definitely feel like she just needs to, like, express herself more creatively and also just, like, allow the world to see it. Like, she really, Mm -hmm. like, it makes me emotional because she doesn't, she does all these amazing things and she doesn't share it with the world. Like, Aww. it just kind of, and it's just like, if people saw the side of you, like, it would be incredible. But like, you just, like, she just like hides these things because, yeah, she just is like scared or worried or nervous or whatever it might be. But it's mm. just like, you don't let people in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. seems like you're really supportive of her just being herself yeah and so if she were to pursue these creative endeavors and nothing came out of it except for just pure joy how would you feel about that i think i'd be really happy with it because i think that is the point and i know Mm -hmm. it sounds cheesy but it's true the point of doing these creative things is just to express and enjoy and, like, whatever comes from it comes from it. But, like, it's definitely not there to be, like, turned into something. Like, it's just there to be expressed and then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. 
Wow. That's really beautiful. It seems like you give her such a reprieve from, you know, just everyday life and kind of the challenges that present themselves in everyday life. Mm. How do you think her life is better because of your influence? Oh, I make her life. Like, without me, her life just would not be, like, the good things, like, the things that she treasures the most would not be there if it wasn't for me. Like, I'm the one that adds, like, the little, I'm the one that adds the sparkle and, like, the cherry on top and the sprinkles and, like, all that good, juicy stuff is all me. So, like, I make her life better in, like, every respect, I think. So. <laughs> hmm. That's great. Is there anything else that you wish Krishma understood or that you'd like to share with her? The thing that I want to tell her, which she may or may not understand, is like you're safe within your creativity and you'll be safe if you like flow and just, you know, go with whatever like it's not going to harm you and it's not going to your life isn't going to fall apart even if you think it is it's not going to fall apart there may be a little bit of unraveling or a lot of it that doesn't look the same but it's not going to fall apart Mm. just kind of reassuring her that Mm. things will still be manageable for her and everything's not just the whole foundation won't crumble Exactly. Mm. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Happy to. <laughs> You're like, finally, I have a voice. <laughs> yeah, very happy to have a voice. <laughs> awesome. So whenever you're ready, just kind of do what you need to do to shift back into your central eye, your Karishma energy. Hmm. I'm just kind of tuning in right now, like in your present state of being, like scale of zero to 100, how present is that innocence part? I think it feels like in the 90 to 100, like I feel very like present in the moment kind of thing. It's very, very good. Yeah. And then same thing for that desire part, the zero to 100. What's the presence level? In this very moment, like right now, it feels like it's kind of, I don't feel like it's there right now, but I think it's because we just sat in like innocence, but it's probably there Mm -hmm. like 10 to 20% because like it always is there, but like, it's not like a, a leading force in this moment. Good. Good. And does that feel like balance to you? Like if you yeah. had it your way and you could con- kind of control the forces within you, does that feel balanced? Yeah. I know a lot of people think an 80-20 split would be good, but I think a 90-10 split would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, balance for you is very unique and specific to you. So that's kind of for us to play with is what's the balance for Karishma? Mm. Yeah, I think 90-10 feels really good. Good. 
Good. So we can kind of do like a little somatic integration exercise with this. Um, So if you just want to close your eyes for a minute and picture that innocence living somewhere in your body, where would it live? And think about what color it would be, what texture, maybe what environment you're in. You know, anything that your subconscious presents to you regarding this innocence and just tuning into the location that exists in your body. And you can share with me whatever you're feeling or whatever's coming through. Yeah, I would love to. So when I think about the feeling of innocence, and I think because you said it's like that soft pillowy, when I think about my innocence, what it actually makes me think of, and it's actually like a very specific, also because I've been there, innocence to me is like walking around Disneyland eating like candy floss. I think you guys call it like fairy floss. (laughs) But like that is what innocence feels like. It's just like being around, taking in all the experiences, and just like having like the best time and I also just think that overall setting of like Disneyland where like we don't know what rides we're going to go on we don't know what we're going to do but we just know whatever we do we are going to have the best time ever (laughs) I love that so it's kind of like creating that space in your body that you can go to or creating that world that can invite you in Um, and knowing that that's available to you whenever you consciously want to go there. And is there a feeling or sensation in your body that you feel like, is there a space that that innocence lives the most? Is it in your heart? Is it in your throat? You know, where do you feel those sensations? Yeah, like in my, in my chest and like, is it I'm just right here on my chest and my heart, like putting a hand to your chest kind of area, like. I just feel like it sits in my heart, like quite literally. I love that. And if you could give it like a color, what would that color be? Oh, the color would be like baby pink, like the same <laughs> color as like pink, like candy floss, berry floss. Like it's that exact, it's that soft, pillowy, <laughs> sweet goodness, you mm-hmm. know, that same color and texture and everything. Mm. That's beautiful. Well, now, just to give yourself the contrast for this integration, um, when you tune into desire or, you know, that achiever part of you, what's the location, the environment, what's the texture, what's the color, what comes forward with that? So interestingly, for better or for worse, when I think about desire, it feels like it sits in my head. It doesn't actually sit in my body. Like it sits in my Mm. head and it's like I'm being transported back to a classroom where all the seats are like in this specific order and I'm sitting in this classroom and I'm trying to compete to be like the best kid in the class. That is like what my desire energy is like. Because anytime I'm like trying to be the best and trying to like stand out, I'm almost like a kid that's like, putting out their hand, being like, pick me, notice me, I'm the best. It's very much that kind of energy. 
So it's like wow. almost like when I think about the contrast, it's like the difference between like as a kid when I was at school versus when we went to Disneyland and I got to have like the best time ever. Like it's, it's literally like a kid in two different environments. Wow. Mm-hmm. That makes sense that it lives in your head. Um, okay. So if you could kind of tune into a color that's like sitting on top of your head, what color would it be? It's like a gray charcoal. Like, you know, when you see like dark clouds, this is how it feels, you know, dark clouds just before it like pours with rain and they go that really gray, like intense color. And you can tell that it's just about to pour with rain. It's that mm-hmm. exact color. Wow. And that's what it feels like. That it's, it's, and then like, I feel like this is actually really good way of doing it, but it's that literal like heaviness from a dark cloud. And interestingly, mm-hmm. when you actually compare it, like, the gray dark cloud of heaviness compared to like the lightness and sweetness of like candy floss, like that in itself is actually so cool that that's the exact, like, and they're almost the exact opposite energies. Like one yeah. is like a hanging energy. The other one is like playful and fun and will like take little bits from it. So really interesting actually. Yeah. Wow. So kind of piggybacking on what we did earlier with the numbers, if you tune into your body right now and you're kind of visualizing the pink in your chest and then the gray on the top of your head, how would it feel to kind of mix those energies a little bit? I think it would just be, it would probably be a little, it would feel okay, but I think it would feel a little bit difficult because it's very easy for that cloud to get like super, super heavy into mm-hmm. like basically like rain down on like everything else. Okay. So it feels better for you to keep them separate. Yeah. And do you feel like you need to turn the dial down or up on either energy right now in this moment? I definitely feel dialed up on like Disneyland candy floss like thing. The other mm-hmm. thing that just occurred to me, and I think this is really interesting, is like, you know, in human design, we have our incarnation cross. And my in- incarnation cross is like the right, I think it's the right angle cross of Eden, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, isn't that kind of what like Disneyland is meant to be about? Is it's like this feeling of like, kind of like a paradise or an Eden where like people go to just have this, have this and live out this amazing experience. And so I think to myself, isn't it incredible like that of all the things that like it feels like living from innocence feels like Disneyland which has that Eden like feel I just think it's really interesting that that's like what came up yeah Um, totally um yeah and I mean that cross is kind of about finding that Eden within yourself mm. because I mean I'm Eden as well and we're seekers we're always seeking something outside of us to bring us to that garden. And you just found that within yourself. Mm. You just realize that it lives right here and you can connect to that whenever you want. You know, you don't have to find it outside of you. Mm. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I 
Is there anything else that's like on your heart or on your mind right now? Just kind of sitting in this soup of Disneyland and <laughs> all the fun things. I think like the thing which I didn't realize is till we did that somatic sort of part of like tapping into what each of those are in terms of like the colors, the textures, like the setting is realizing like how contrasting those actually are and like what my body was able to like feel into and what where my like mind kind of visualized is actually such a perfect representation of them. Like they're actually so contrasting, even down to the fact that I find it interesting that like candy floss has that ca- like cloud like feel to it. Like people often mm-hmm. talk about candy floss being, you know, pillow like and fluffy and all of that. And clouds can actually be the same, but it's just that one is heavy and one is like this lightness. Yeah. Um so it's just really I just think it's really interesting that of all the places that my mind could have gone to to like visualize and like articulate that feeling and that sense of where it sits and how it feels that it went to those places like I just think it's incredibly smart in terms of like how that sort of comes out that's yeah that's why I love this work so much because it's also very creative and it's like it allows our imagination to do its job and present things to you and it's almost like you have the sensation of your subconscious just bubbling up this answer it's like whenever you ask it a question it's just like oh this is what it's like you know um so I think that's really incredible and just like on the cloud thing it's almost because it's on the same spectrum right so it's almost this frequency spectrum you know it's it, like just ca- like colors too can be on the same spectrum but there's different frequency um so yeah, I think it's so interesting that almost the texture was kind of similar, but the color and the feeling around it, fluffiness versus heaviness, you know, um, mm. really similar contrast. Yeah. Mm. Super powerful though. I'm yeah. kind of like blown away that that somatic piece has really like cemented it to myself. Like if I'm ever feeling like a moment of like, doubt or stress or like trying to like figure out where I'm at I'm like are we in Disneyland or are we in a heavy cloud of rain like yeah. the minute I know that or like I'm just like what would feel like what would be what would feel like a Disneyland type day for me like that's kind of like a really cool like energy to tap into and as a yeah. side note but not necessarily a side note I've always loved Disneyland it's like my goal to go to all of them I've been to like a fair few and I've always loved theme parks like I love <laughs> theme parks so much and I think it's because that really is like innocence in like motion yeah to me I think because I've done so much like inner child work too innocence feels like you're letting the inner child totally run the show it's almost like it's like you let the parent part of you sit back and it's kind of like just um I think of that movie, I think it was called like Yes Day or something where the parents let the kids do whatever they want and they said yes to anything yes. they want to do. And it was just like a party all day, you know, like what, like any, all these crazy things kids would want to do. And it's just so fun. Um, yeah, it, it almost feels like, it's like, how can you give into your inner child? You know, how can you allow your inner child to make some decisions for you? And even if the parent is like, ah, that's that's not productive or whatever, just giving in and seeing what happens, you know? It's like the wisdom that children have available, you know, that childlike 
um, it's, it's not naivety. It's almost like this just childlike wisdom that we tend to forget about as we get into adulthood and we're so focused on like doing and achieving and appearing a specific way to the world that we forget about that joy that children really remind us of. Yeah. And it's actually interesting just with that whole Disneyland thing is there's like a few people that I follow on like Instagram who um, will regularly go to Disneyland or like Disney World or like they're content creators and they do stuff on TikTok. And I've always like loved their accounts. Like when they go to these places or like like they have like annual memberships to Disneyland and things like that. And I'm just like I I've, I've always just felt this real like pull towards it. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think that's really that's really awesome. And yeah, I think that's why this is such a good activity to do or exercise to do because now you have that feeling to like go to Mm -hmm. you know now you can be more conscious with how you use it you know you know what exists within you and cool I can just like consciously choose to go into this energy yeah you know and being in the awareness that that other part of you isn't bad and maybe it does give you anxiety so you don't want to be in that part of you the majority of the time you don't want to make decisions from that space um but it is a powerful force and you can consciously choose to use that to your benefit when it's appropriate mm. you know like is there do you need to gain some perspective you know now you know how to go there yeah so it's pretty interesting well, cool. Well, do you have any questions or is there anything else coming up for you right now? Um, no, I'm actually just like, I'm just thinking about like clouds now. It's also been raining here. Like, oh, but also interesting. It's been like raining here a lot. So like a lot of like gray clouds, clouds and stuff lately. Um, mm. So I've been seeing a lot of that like heaviness and, you know, I hope that I hope that I can like travel to Disneyland again one time soon. But as we said, like it's about like the Disneyland within us, and we can create our own Disneyland wherever we go. Like, yeah, there's, like that part as well. So. Yeah, I think it's if we kind of piggyback on the childlike thing. You know how children can kind of just have fun wherever when they're remaining curious. It's like it's like when you think about really little kids that are just playing with like a pen and they're like, Oh my God, this is so fascinating. (laughs) You know, it's like the way that we perceive the world. You can, you could perceive your apartment as Disneyland, you know, if you were really getting curious about everything and just allowing yourself to play. Um, Yeah. It's just kind of the power of our perception in that way. Yeah, definitely. Makes me also, I can see all my books and I'm like, Okay, there's like some books that I've been like humming and highing over, and I'm like, yeah, we now know which are the final <laughs> books that we can and need to get rid of, kind of thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, over this time and this process, like I've definitely noticed, like I've got way less books than I've ever had before, but like I've never felt so like aligned and embodied with like who I am and how I am, and I'm like the answer isn't in the book. It's very tempting to feel that way, um, mm-hmm. but I know that it's not. So yeah. 
Yeah, I totally know what you mean. It's like, it's almost like the to-do list that's never going to get done. You know, when you have this list of books or kind of staring at you and it almost takes your energy to just be looking at them. It's like, I know I'm never going to read them. So it's actually taking energy from me to stare at them and then feel bad about myself for not reading them. (laughs) You know, it has happened in the past. So, yeah. Maybe it's like you finally have that emotional clarity now to be able to get rid of the rest of them that are no longer in alignment, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for letting me record this. This was yeah. really cool. You're very imaginative. So it's like, I think it's that 1222. It's like anytime I've worked with somebody with the 1222, they really go there. And I'm like, yes, it's it's so fun to facilitate for. Awesome.